This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, we must read the gospel for today in strict continuity with the gospel from last week, the story of the confession of Peter and the founding of the church. We heard that Jesus will build his new community on the rock foundation of Peter's confession. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that this church called out from the world, remember ecclesia, ekkaleo, called out from, will be a militant church because it's coming after the gates of hell. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We're a church on the march trying to invade the sinful world with the power of God's grace. Now, today it's the passage just following that. Jesus lays out the cost in no uncertain terms. Listen. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer greatly from the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. He will go, in other words, as the bearer of the divine love, as the Christ, to the capital of the nation, and there he will be opposed Yes, even to the point of death. Hard message, but a true one. In a world gone wrong, here's the principle. In a world gone wrong, the divine love will typically meet with resistance. God's way is is not typically accepted by the culture of death, if I can use John Paul II's famous phrase. The world, I spoke of it last week, what's marked by violence, hatred, selfishness, that world will not accept the inrushing of the divine love, and it will stand athwart it. It'll try to block it. And therefore, Jesus knows that he's entering into battle, indeed a battle unto death. Now, here's the hinge of our passage today. Peter, Kepha, Rocky, this newly christened rock foundation. Well, he's having none of it. Listen. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. God forbid, Lord, no such thing should ever happen to you. Now, here's a basic rule of thumb in New Testament interpretation. If you're telling Jesus what to do, you're in a bad spiritual space. Okay, take that one to the bank. Remember, Martha tells Jesus what to do. Martha, or, or Jesus, uh, Lord, tell my sister to help me. Remember the mother of James and John. is Lord, I want you to talk to these two sons of mine and make them first and second in your kingdom. 
Well, when you're telling Jesus what to do, you are just ipso facto in a bad spiritual space. And so here, maybe most dramatically, Peter himself treats the Lord as a kind of simple student who needs some elementary instruction. You know, I mean, Lord forbid this should ever happen to you. I mean, come on, stop talking this way. Don't, don't be crazy. You're not going to go to Jerusalem and, and be put to death. See, friends, here's the thing. There are a lot of people who love the Jesus of their imagination, who love the Jesus of their piety, perhaps the Jesus of the culture, but who are as uncomfortable as Peter is with the real Jesus. Because the real one is always going to Jerusalem. The real one is always willing to lay down his life in the great struggle. Why? Why? Because he is the divine love incarnate in the world, and that means he will meet with resistance. He knows it, and he's trying to communicate it now to that ecclesia, to that community that's been called out. If you're to be a bearer of that love, you too will suffer. Now, in one of the strongest and most startling lines in the New Testament, Jesus says to Peter, who was trying to correct him, Get behind me, Satan. Extraordinary, isn't it? St. Peter now, whom he had just praised as the rock, you're the foundation upon which I'll build my church. You are the one that correctly sees who I am. Just moments later now, he calls him Satan and says, get behind me. See, a couple things going on here. One is he's become a kind of stumbling stone. It's a great irony. The rock has become a stumbling stone. And a spokesperson for the father of lies. How important now he calls him Satan. What a strong thing to say. He's, he's speaking, maybe without knowing it, but he's speaking the language of the father of lies. The great lie is that the Christian life can be lived without the cross. Let me say it again. The great lie is that the Christian life can be lived without the cross, which means without suffering love. See, it simply can't. And that's why in trying to talk Jesus out of the cross, Peter is indeed speaking the language of Satan. Notice, too, now the second sense of get behind me. So one, you might say, is get out of my way. Don't be a stumbling block. But the other one is even more powerful. Get behind me. In other words, stop telling me what to do and start following me. The right place for the Christian disciple to be is behind Jesus, especially as he walks to Jerusalem. Now, again, you see why this is so startling and so hard, why we resisted as much as Peter did. Get behind me as I march into fame. Get behind me as I march into glory. Get behind me as the crowds cheer for me. Well, no trouble there. But get behind me as I'm going to the place where I'm going to be killed. There is the cost of discipleship, to use Dietrich Bonhoeffer's great phrase. There is the cost of discipleship. Notice, too, Jesus accuses Peter of, quote, thinking as human beings do, 
not as God does. How, how important this is. See, human beings think in terms of self-protection, safety, avoidance of trouble. I mean, that's our primary frame of reference. But see, God thinks relentlessly in terms of love, even, I might say especially, when that love entails suffering. So there's a question, good spiritual question. What is your final frame of reference? Is it, how do I avoid pain? Or, how do I love? See, how you answer that or how you determine that will, will shape everything else in your life. If when I wake up in the morning, my basic question is, how do I avoid pain? Well, then I'm going to live my life in a certain way, ultimately in a selfish way. But if when I wake up in the morning, I say, now, how do I love today? How will I love? Then you'll live the life of a saint. You'll get behind Jesus. You'll be a member of the ecclesia, the community called out from the world. And this is why Jesus now says to his disciples, whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Notice, please, how active this language is. He doesn't say that his followers should accept the cross if it comes. No, no, he tells them to take it up. See, consciously, purposefully, to lean into it if you want. We must consciously and freely walk the path of suffering love if we are to be his followers. Take up your cross. Don't just accept it, but take it up actively. Then that wonderful and devastating line, which has haunted the minds of anyone who's heard it over the centuries. Listen. What profit would there be for one to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Walking the path of self-protection and self-promotion can indeed gain you the whole world, but the price is way too high. For it involves the compromising of the person that God wants you to be, the compromising of your soul, if I can put it that way. Everyone listening to me, you are meant to be a bearer of the divine love into the world. That's your mission. Now, it takes a million forms, but that's its basic purpose. And this will always involve suffering because it means the path of self-denial. And it means that the divine love will meet resistance. If you prioritize the avoidance of suffering, you might gain the whole world, but you will lose necessarily becoming the person God wants you to be. See, and that's the hinge that we're on in this reading. It's asking us to make a decision. Let me just close with this. I, I can't come across this line, I can't think about it, without thinking automatically of my favorite movie, which is A Man for All Seasons, the story of Thomas More. You know, More was a man of enormous accomplishment. He was a literary figure of great renown. He was a lawyer, a statesman. He was, the, at the culmination of his career, the Lord, Lord Chancellor of England. He was a confidant of kings. Now, throughout his life, More knew who he was and what he was about, but the world did not massively stand athwart him until the battle with Henry VIII, whom he was serving as Lord Chancellor. 
The king, as you know, wanted to make himself supreme head of the church in England. Moore saw that as an attack on the church, and so he stood opposed to Henry. The movie's so good at showing this. Almost the whole of the church, almost the whole of the English nobility gave in. They were afraid of what the king would do to them. They were living primarily out of self-protection, but more held out. In a beautiful scene, even his own daughter, whom he loved and who loved him, tried to get him to swear the oath. said, Father, just say the words, but in your heart think something else. But more corrected her. When you take an oath, you hold yourself in your hands like water. If you open your fingers and the water runs out, You've lost yourself. You know, throughout the play, there's a parallel story being told, that of Richard Rich, who's a vain, ambitious young man trying to make his way at the court of the king. First, he tries the, the route of, of Thomas More's help, but, but More is not going to help him. And so he sells out willing to abandon his ideals in service of advancing his career. Finally, in exchange for becoming the Attorney General of Wales, he agrees to perjure himself and to testify against Thomas More. And that funny, devastating line, after Richard Rich testifies and Moore says, I'd like to ask the, the uh, witness one question. He said, you're wearing a, a chain of office. What is that? And Rich says, well, that's the office of the Attorney General of Wales. And Moore looks at him and says, you know, Rich, it, it profits a man nothing to gain the whole world and lose his soul. But for whales? That's the same hinge now the gospel's on. The same question we have to ask. What path are we walking? The path of self-protection or the path of self-emptying, self-forgetting love? Everything else will depend upon how you answer that question. And God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love. I'm Father Robert Barron. Our new Catholicism documentary series and study program can now be pre-ordered online go to catholicismpreorder.com. Will you help me introduce this one-of-a-kind film series and catechetical program to your parish, school, and diocese? Journey around the world and deep into the faith in this 10-part, 10-hour epic adventure. Learn more at catholicismpreorder.com.